Hey, this is Rudy Fernandez from Creative Outhouse. In part two of my conversation with Alicia Thompson, we talk about the biggest professional upheaval any of us can experience, losing your job. How do you bounce back from that, and how do you prepare for it? Alicia also shares her thoughts on why PR has such bad PR. And lastly, we talked about the qualities of people who are in marketing and why we like them. Check this out. You're listening to Marketing Upheaval from Creative Outhouse. So I want to talk to you about a sensitive subject. I know we've talked about this before in terms of upheaval. And yep. you've experienced an enormous upheaval, probably the worst upheaval that we all have nightmares about in that you, you lost your job. Yep. We, I've traveled around a lot. I've worked in a lot of different companies. And that is the single most unwritten fear everyone has. And mm-hmm. of course, it always is there. If yeah. you have a job, you're always worried about keeping the job. Yep. But the difference, and this is my opinion, the difference was always... If I work hard, if I do my job, if I, you know, unless we lose business, if I do what I'm supposed to do, I'm going to keep my job. Mm. But not true anymore. Now it's like, well, guess what? We're, we just changed. Yeah. Instead of we've had this strategic plan working for two years, like, no, we're going somewhere else. That's what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. And, and it sounds like you've experienced that very thing. Yeah. So uh, you want to talk a little yeah. bit about that? I mean, it's, it's become so commonplace and I can't tell you how many of my friends and colleagues were all in the same boat. But yeah, my job was eliminated in April. And, you know, I think it's one of those situations where in the back of your head, you always know it's a possibility. But when you get called to the office in HR and they kind of say, your job's been eliminated, you have this moment of like, oh, wait, wait, you're joking, right? I wasn't expecting this. And then you kind of go to this moment of panic where like, Ooh, okay. So then you start thinking about your phone. You're like, all these things go through your head within like a, a 10 second span. And then you kind of have one of two reactions and you either go, okay, I'm going to embrace this for what it is. And let's talk about the financial part or you have a meltdown. And so it's, well, you do both or you do both, <laughs> or, you know, in one first and then yeah, the other. Yeah. Um, And it's why one of the things I always tell young women, especially um, when I speak, is having your financial house in order. Like, you can't predict the future. And I know kids graduate kids. Oh, sound old. Young people graduate from college and now they finally have an income and they want to buy this. And I'm like, you always, you know, that old adage your parents tell you pay yourself first. It's really important because these days... You don't know if you're going to have a job. You can do a great, you can be great at what you do to your point and the next day you don't have a gig. So, you know, I think part of the other thing that was important to me is over the course of my career, making sure I had made, built good relationships, not just made good contacts because good contacts are great, but the relationships are important because when you find yourself in a situation like this, You need to be able to call on good colleagues that you've worked with in the past. And don't be embarrassed and don't be afraid to tell people, hey, I'm out of work. A lot of people go through that. They're embarrassed. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, even firings aren't as taboo as they used to be. Certainly getting laid off and transitioned out isn't a bad thing. So feel free to tell people that. Take that burden off of yourself and let people help you. Like we have a really hard time letting people 
help us. Be open to people saying, hey, let me contact this person and let them know you're out of a job. Let me connect you with so-and-so. You guys have coffee. I don't know if they have anything, but it's good for you to meet more people. And so you have to work your network. Um, And that's exactly what I've done and um, have some good leads and have skills to fall back on with signature leadership, being able to do some special projects and some freelance gigs that way. And you just, you know, keep your head up. It is what it is. Like life is just too short to let a blip and it is a blip in the greater span of your life get you down. Well, I think two things. The relationship thing is is very important. Mm -hmm. I have found you know, as for as much as advertising and PR get sort of a, have bad PR. Yeah. I want to ask you about that later. But, you know, we have this reputation yeah. of being sort of these these manipulative, sleazy people. <laughs> I've been in this for 30 years. I really most, almost everyone I've met in this business has been wonderful. Good people. And and you, whenever I've needed anything, you mm-hmm. reach out and you say, hey, I needed this. Or even if it's I need work or I yeah. need, can you recommend that? always fast to help. I've Absolutely. never, because everybody's been there. Yeah. And even if you haven't been there, you're worried that you you're worried there. that you're next. So, <laughs> you know, good karma comes back if you help people. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, one, again, don't be embarrassed. It is what it is. It's the trend now, yeah. unfortunately. And in our industry, marketing, PR and ad st- dollars are the first to get <laughs> To get yeah. cut, so we're usually the first ones out the well, door. I mean, I'm in, I, I'm in creative, and, and my background is advertising. So now it, that's changed quite a bit. Yeah, <laughs> and the running joke is that you know the running joke used to be that the PR people were the last ones out the door because we had to send out the final communication, <laughs> but that's not true anymore. <laughs> so you, you'd mentioned not being embarrassed mm-hmm. when you lose a job. I wonder how our role and our view of work has changed. So it used to be like my mom. My mom had a job. Mm-hmm. She had family. She had a job. And that was, she had to pay the bills. It's moved from job, then you have a career. Mm-hmm. And it's almost now it's like a calling. How much of our egos are wrapped into what we do for a living? Huge, huge amount. We get caught in having the title in the corner office and the assigned parking space and the stock options. I call them the golden handcuffs. And I think what's crazy is when you lose a job or when you opt to leave a job, there is this mourning that goes along with that where you're like, oh, who am I? Without all the trappings of what you had, like you have to take the time to figure out who you are because work has become, and for most of us, the center around every everything else in our lives revolves around work. And the fact that we're attached to some device that allows us to check email and for people to get in touch with us at all times, it makes it challenging. Um, and I remember when I, I left Popeyes of my own accord and when I left, because I was the face of the brand in the community, there were people in Atlanta that called me Miss Popeyes. And I was like, oh, God, what? Are, like, they don't even know my name. And so when I'd run into them, they go, hey, Miss Popeye. Well, actually, I'm not with Popeyes anymore. My name's Alicia. Like, you know, it's it was it was a momentary lapse of like, I don't know who I am without that. And I think a lot of people struggle with that because that has become such a core part of ego for people to be able to say, I am the XYZ of X company. Um, 
that it's a very difficult transition when that's no longer their situation. So how do you adjust to that? Like, first of all, how do you avoid that? Mm -hmm. How do you avoid becoming such an, ha ha making that be such an integral part of your, your identity? I think it's part of how you're wired. And I think our world today has made those types of things important and relevant. Mm -hmm. And that's what gives people their sense of self. But I think it's a personal reflection that you have to go, whoa, you have to reprioritize things in your life. And I think it's a lot easier for people with families mm -hmm. than it is for those of us that don't have spouses and children and things sure. like that. And that's why some people say when something traumatic happens in their family, like the finally the light bulb goes off that like, oh, wait, my wife's having surgery. Like, I can't be at that meeting. You don't understand. This is what's important to me. And so I think it's a it's a situation that happens or it's just a self-reflection where people reach a point in life and go, I can't do it. But I see a lot of millennials that aren't buying that. They are not drinking that Kool-Aid. They are like. No, I want to go hang out with friends and I want to see my family and I want to have work-life balance. I want to go run in the evening. I want to go do this. And so I think we're seeing a generational shift. I think baby boomers and Gen Xers, Gen Xers we were all kind of in that space. But the generations behind are like, you people are crazy. No, I, I hope that's right. You yeah. Know, and part of it may be, and I brought this up before, they started to come into the workforce during the economic collapse. Mm -hmm. And the ones younger than them saw their parents lose everything yep. in, in a moment. So I imagine that, you know, those sorts of trappings, mm -hmm. maybe they're more cautious of. I hope so, because yeah. I think I've spent uh, too much of my career worried about, you know, my career and yeah. not as much enjoying my career. Yeah. So I'm trying to change that now. Yeah. And we have, you know, I have a couple of colleagues that, I knew were like, when I retire, I'm going to do X. Yeah. You know, and when I retire, I'm going to do this. I bought a plane. I bought a boat. I'm going to, you know, travel with my family. And then they retire and six months later, they're dead. Oh, God. You know, I had that, that happened to two of my colleagues, you know, like within six months of retiring, they were gone. Wow. And I'm like, you spent 40 years working your fingers to the bone, not spending time with your family. And now when you thought you were, and you know, you have those moments where you go, I will not be that person. I promise you, I just can't be that person. Yeah. So I, I do believe we're seeing a generational shift and we're seeing millennials and those folks really saying, yeah, those aren't, those things aren't as important to me as they were to my parents. And I am hopeful that that sentiment will continue in the generations that follow. And we aren't just in a pendulum swing that will come back the other way at some point down the line. That's a good part of the upheaval. Yes, absolutely. Maybe there will be some positive change, some change for good in people's behaviors. PR has such bad PR. So, you know, whenever anybody, let's say a government organization hires a PR agency, people lose their minds. PR, why do you need mm -hmm. that? Uh, you know, in a movie, the PR guy, is, he's never the hero. No. Uh, why is that? Why does PR have such bad PR? I think it all starts with a really prominent person in the history of PR, which is P.T. Barnum. Of course. Duh. But I think 
people don't like to be manipulated. It is human nature not to like to be manipulated, which is, I think, why advertising is kind of not, we're, <laughs> we're not leading the crowd, but advertising we're, we're slightly behind yeah. us, is that people sometimes feel that spin or the stories that PR people place with the media mm-hmm. are only put there to put their brand client product service sure. in a wonderfully glowing light. Well, we are. And we yeah. are. That's exactly what we're <laughs> supposed to do. That's what we're hired to do. But people really take offense to that until a crisis happens. And then like, we're, you know, we're the heroes. But I do believe it's this just human nature of not liking to be manipulated. And they see what we do in broad strokes as some type of a manipulation. And yeah, I've, I've seen more and more in creative and mm-hmm. in, in marketing, how letting people in, like the Wendy's example. Yeah. People know that that is a team of writers. They right. know it's not really, you know, so they let people in on the secret mm-hmm. so they don't feel like they're being manipulated. Right. But I was actually having this conversation with a friend about advertising VR manipulation. And we were at a Starbucks and she ordered a coffee with soy milk in it. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as soy milk. <laughs> Because it doesn't come from a mammal. It's actually it's actually soy juice. But if they called it that, you wouldn't put it in your coffee. And she didn't like hearing that, by the way. Well, it's the same with almond milk and cashew yeah, sure. milk and all the other kind of milks that we buy. I've got a jug of... It's a it. manipulation, but it's a, it's a way to sell. I yeah, mean, we, absolutely. And it's all around us all the time. And you buy it. That's the problem. You can't be mad sure. at us because you buy the messages that yeah. we put out. So it makes me laugh. My brother is very much a, you know, big brother conspiracy theorist kind of person. And he hates what I do. Oh, really? <laughs> he hates <laughs> PR. He always put like this, you know, adding this extra layer of fluff that nobody really cares about. Uh. I'm like... You are still listening, even if you're complaining about it. You heard sure. it. So, my, I have a better one. My mother met someone. This is a woman who was helping her. She met her maybe uh, five or six months ago. And she said, She used to be in marketing. What's marketing? <laughs> <laughs> okay, mom. <laughs> she just, I guess it was a mystery how I've paid my bills these last several years. It's okay. So, if you look ahead, at things that are changing, what are you most excited about in this upheaval and what scares you the most? So I think the innovation that is ahead and it's going to be moving at even more increasingly faster speeds is something that I'm looking for because even though I'm out of it at the moment, maybe short term or long term, but just watching that is going to be fascinating because the generations coming up behind, how they engage with quote unquote media is so different than what I've even, how I even engage. And to innovate, to be able to keep up with their short-term, you know, attention attention spans (laughs) and things like that is going to be fascinating. And then that same speed of innovation terrifies me because as someone still working in the industry, I can't keep up. I can't either. So it's like, what happens to those of us that still have a lot to bring to the table, but just can't keep up with the pace of how things are moving forward. And so where, where do the lines blur and where do we try to find a happy medium of appreciating the old while embracing the new. I was talking to someone yesterday, an art director, 
asked him what he was working on. He said, well, I'm just creating some social content. And I said, what is that? He said, ads. <laughs> like, just new say, terms just say ads. It's like, yeah, they're 15 second ads. They're going to run. But they're, they're running it on social. Yeah. And so I think a lot of the skill sets that we still have, it's just now where the portals and the, the media by yeah. which they're being pushed out. But if you don't know the right terminology, I mean, I would, my team at Other Arrangements are, you know, millennials and they'd say something. And I probably got that strange look on my face. Like that's something I'm going to have to Google when they leave my yeah, office. Yeah, I've done that. And they would go, do you know what we're talking about? And I'd go, no, why don't you explain it? And they, both of them would just roll their eyes. Like, yeah. how can she not know that? And it's like, it's not the world I live in. Yeah. Well, some things stay the same. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but some things, you know, obviously change. But I think a lot of things that stay the same just have different names. They do. They absolutely do. And I think the world of marketing is a very interesting world that I would say probably has evolved more so than a lot of other industries. Mm-hmm. It's had to to keep yeah, up. Yeah, oh gosh, yes. And I have a six-year-old niece and a three-year-old niece. And I sometimes look at them when they're like playing on their iPads and things and wonder, what is the world going to, how are we going to advertise to you guys when you're 25? Like, what does that even look like? And it just blows my mind because I know it's going to be something I probably couldn't even fathom today. My youngest daughter's never watched TV, really. Yeah. I mean, she, she, everything's on a little screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how do we talk to your nieces? (laughs) You know, I don't like, I don't know. And I probably could tell you better after next week when the oldest one comes and spends a week with me, you know, everything to your point, everything in her world is on a screen. It's not on a TV screen. I, you know, they know how to work the remote control, but only to get to Netflix on the big television, you know, embedded messages, which I find very interesting because I have, when I've spent time with him, watched Um, or listen to like Dora the Explorer albums and things like that with them in the subliminal little ads that pop up in between the songs. And I'm like, wait, what was that? And I'm like, and they were like, no, auntie, we want to hear the song. And I'm like, I'm trying to hear the like 15 second ad that just played. So it'll be, I think a lot more subliminal, which I think it already is a lot subliminal, but I just, I have no idea what it's going to be like. I'm going to be extremely fascinated to see the evolution that will happen over the next 15 to 20 years because it's going to be something that, like I said, we couldn't even imagine. In the end, we still have to solve a problem in a yes. creative way. So hopefully that'll that'll keep us uh, employed. I, well, I, I don't know, <laughs> given my experiences. But, you know, I think the cool thing about marketing people is that we truly know how to recreate ourselves. And I think even when we're laid off or even when we decide to make a transition or, you know, the industry continues to change and we find ourselves catching up, we have an odd ability to be able to kind of take a breath, step back, reassess the landscape and dive right back in. And I think that makes us pretty special people because a lot of other folks can't do that. So, Well, that is a perfect way to end this this episode. Thank you so much. Thank this you. This was fun. Yeah. Let's do it again. Yes, absolutely. Hey, thanks for listening to Marketing Upheaval from Creative Outhouse. If you'd like to learn more about how to train the next generation of leaders at your company, contact Alicia Thompson. Her email is athompson at signatureleadershipllc.com. For show notes, previous episodes, and previews to upcoming episodes, visit us at creativeouthouse.com slash podcast. 
And if you like this podcast, please give us five stars, subscribe, and share it with others. And that's it for this episode of Marketing Upheaval. Remember, if the current state of marketing has got you confused, don't worry, it'll all change. See ya.